a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this Thursday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry, pleased to be with you today, and I thank you for tuning in uh, to hang out with me here for the next two and a half hours. We are going to cover uh, a lot of ground today. I say that all the time. Well, today uh, it is absolutely 100% the case. We're going to start by looking at the the, the case of this uh, fentanyl-laced pill purveyor, right? Uh, the young man, uh, Cottonwood Heights, uh, from the basement, he uh, has been charged and convicted and now sentenced for some dark stuff. Uh, it turns out he raked in millions of dollars making fentanyl-laced painkillers and selling those pills on the dark net, including some that prosecutors say caused overdose deaths. Well, he will be in prison for the rest of his life. Aaron Shamo, he's 38, 30 years old, uh, and after our hearing here this morning, the sentence was imposed by U.S. District Judge Dale Kimball. Now, it's not exactly, a, uh, it wasn't a mystery. There wasn't much uncertainty in the lead-up to today's hearing, the sentencing hearing. Why? Well, because one of the convictions, uh, the one of the 12 convictions, includes continuing a criminal enterprise, continuing a criminal enterprise. That's essentially, uh, it makes him a kingpin, right? A kingpin in charge of this uh, crazy operation. And that carries with it a mandatory minimum life sentence. And the judge pointed out, uh, Judge Kimball, he pointed out that he has no discretion to alter that sentence. Now, uh, pointing that out, making that clear and being explicit about that, does that communicate something about uh, what the judge would have preferred to do? I don't know. I won't speculate along those lines. But what I will ask of you is, is a sentence like this for a crime like this justified? Is it justified? Now, Shamo was convicted of 12 of 13 charges. The one charge for which he was not convicted was regarding uh, the death of a 21-year-old man in California. Shamel wasn't held directly responsible for that uh, for that death. But uh, government prosecutors listed as many as uh, 90 people who they say died after being on the receiving end of drugs uh, put together uh, by uh, Aaron Shamel. Prosecutors say they agreed not to present evidence about those deaths uh, because uh, of the risk of unfair prejudice. And so let me ask you, do you think that life behind bars is justice, is justice served? 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, I want to know from you, do you think that life behind bars is is just in this case? There were uh, others involved, and those others will face justice here subsequent uh, to this today's announcement. Uh, Greg Scordis, uh, a man coincidentally running for attorney general here in the state. In fact, we'll hear from uh, him, or at least some comments that he's made 
recently on a different matter later on in the program, but Greg Scordis was serving as Mr. Shamo's uh, defense attorney and says that the sentence, that this life sentence was unjust, pointing out that there were also other individuals involved and that this kingpin, this kingpin charge, which has stuck, uh, may uh, be shared or may justly be shared by the other uh, individuals involved in this crime. So we'll see. In addition to uh, continuing a criminal enterprise, uh, there were other charges, uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, a long list of charges for which Shamo was found guilty. Three counts of importation of a controlled substance, possession of a controlled substance with intent to distribute, manufacture of a controlled substance, adulteration of drugs while held for sale, uh, and then use of the U.S. mail and furtherance of a drug trafficking offense. Then also money laundering, money laundering promotion and concealment, and engaging in monetary transactions in property derived from unlawful Activity. Do you know the? Do you remember this story when it first broke? I remember the moment I was sitting down at my desk and I see this news alert pop up. It was back in uh, I think late 2016 when I first caught wind of this, and I am reading this story with my jaw hanging open. That there was a young man in his then mid 20s, and he had from a basement. Uh, gone through all the lengths necessary to what to purchase fentanyl from China to get his hands on the 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 machinery to to make pills pill presses uh, the punches the dyes all the ingredients all of it procured on the dark net which I don't begin to understand uh, and after collecting all of these materials then got into business of selling it to individuals over the internet and that is why he faces now uh, life. In prison, but remember the numbers. Remember the dollar figures we heard of back in 2016 when this story first broke. First off, in his in his home in Cottonwood Heights. Remember that too. Uh, in in Cottonwood Heights was where this was taking place. 1.2 million dollars in cash stashed in the sock drawer. 1.2 million dollars in cash, and then over at his parents' house. Uh, almost half a million, $429,000 stashed at his parents' house. And it doesn't stop there. The, the agents of the government also ended up seizing 513 bitcoins from uh, an online wallet. I don't exactly understand that. Never got into Bitcoin myself, but uh, uh, but the value of those 513 bitcoins estimated at approximately $2.4 million. million. This isn't small potato stuff. The claims uh, against Shamo also include the fact that he had sent these fentanyl-laced drugs to quote-unquote customers across every state in the union. That was pointed out by uh, by, uh, John Huber, U.S. Attorney for Utah, who coincidentally on another story will be joining us later on. A lot of intersecting stories here today, a lot of intersecting characters. And this one, to kick things off, breaks my heart for a number of reasons. It is another reminder that drugs are evil. Drugs uh, take lives and that drugs ruin lives, not just the lives of those who consume them, but their families, their friends. And then how about the family and friends of those who sell these drugs? I imagine this started with the fall of uh, just one domino 
and it's impossible to predict, you know, butterfly effect uh, type events in our lives or in the lives of our children or friends or family members. But what we are reminded of in this instance is to keep our eyes open and to avoid evil, the type of evil that would create the perfect storm uh, here in this situation. I asked the question, do you think that this punishment is just life in prison for uh, for these crimes? And I'll read some of the responses. Uh, I don't, <clears throat> it reads, uh, I, I don't think he had any intention of murder, so life is a good sentence. Uh, next texter writes, life is just, and if they had convicted him on any of those 90 deaths, he should uh, receive the death sentence. Final text here before the break, yes to the life sentence. 90 lives were lost, murder or manslaughter equivalent, and the deadly elements to, to facilitate these deaths was assisted by this person. Now that's from the texter, the, the, his charges and the charges for which he was ultimately convicted uh, don't exactly assign the, the blame, uh, but the claim of 90 people dying after buying drugs from this young man was the claim made by government prosecutors. This story breaks my heart from all angles. And I hope uh, that I don't pick up the newspaper anytime soon and hear something like this, especially uh, from this beautiful state of Utah. I don't want to read it anywhere, uh, but I certainly don't want to hear it uh, happening here in my own backyard. We're going to take a break. When we return, we are going to uh, be joined by Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill. It was announced uh, this morning that no charges will be filed against that Officer Darris, the one who was in uh, possession of photographs of the late uh, Laura McCluskey. We'll speak to him as to why exactly no charges were filed. His rationale will ask him plenty of questions next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.